Welcome to episode 172 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. This show was recorded on Monday 30th of October 2017. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll always find a great selection of products at amazing prices with unparalleled customer service. For more information, just go to jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. And now for a limited time, new customers to Jensen USA who are referred by the spokesman get 10% off one item. Simply enter the spokesman, no spaces, at checkout. Hey everybody, it's David from the Fredcast Cycling Podcast at thefredcast.com. I'm the host and producer of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast. For show notes, links, and other information, simply go to our website at the-spokesman.com. And now, here are the Spokesmen. Thanks, David. I'm Carlton Reed of Bikebiz.com, and today's show isn't a roundtable of the usual suspects. It's an interview with Stephen Bell of Pashley. I was given an exclusive sneak peek of the new bike that Pashley is making. It's the latest London bike share bike. This is the Series 5000 model and has been massively improved, as I found out when I rode one around the streets of Stratford-upon-Avon, Shakespeare's hometown and also where Pashley is based. The Series 5000 is being rolled out for the first time today, with a press launch in central London. The full story of the new bike can be found on bikebiz.com, and later in the podcast, Pashley MD Stephen Bell gives me a behind-the-scenes tour of the factory. But first, here's some audio of me riding the bike for the first time. I am now riding Series 5000 of the latest iteration of the London Hire bike, the Santander bike, the Boris bike, the Sadiq bike, the Sadiq cycle, whatever you want to call it. And I've got to say, it's much nippier than Series 4, Series 3. You can recognise this by the numbers, the serial numbers on the back, 5,000 and upwards. We'll tell you it's the latest one made by Pashley. And also got to report that the handlebar does not wobble. So if you're, if you're a regular user of of the Boris bikes, you will know that the headstock, the front handlebar, can often be very wobbly. In fact, even when they're brand new, within two or three hires, the headstock is very, very wobbly. So, Pashley have designed that out. There's a very clever um, headstock, which is very different to the existing one, and it just doesn't wobble. So you've got a much more stable platform, a much more stable bike. And with the 24-inch wheels and with the, the narrower tyre, you absolutely have something that feels nippier, is nippier, and just feels all round better through traffic. So I've been cycling this now for the last half an hour. Of course, it's not, it doesn't feel like my ordinary bike or one of my ordinary bikes, but it's better. It's absolutely better than the, the Boris bike of old and it's about the same weight so there's no weight that's been shaved off but then it's over engineered so it's incredibly strong what i have noticed is there's a definite difference between the front and rear brake 
So they're both Shimano brakes, drum brakes, and uh, they are sloppy-ish on the rear brake on the left, and pin-sharp on the right, absolutely pin-sharp. So when you get on it for the first time, beginning of August, you might want to just test those brakes, test what each side of the brake is doing, because it's, it's definitely different, and one side is, is grabbier than, than the other. But have I been impressed? Yes, yes. It's a much, much better bike than the Series 4. So the Series 5 definitely gets a, a bike biz thumbs up from me. As you can tell, I was mightily impressed with the new version of the bike. Now, let's get into the factory tour. We started in Stephen's office. Please be aware that once we leave his office, there are some loud and strange noises now and then, as you'd expect from a factory. So Stephen, we're in Pashley, Stratford-upon-Avon, 1926, when it was founded. Uh, you're now going to give me a, a factory tour. Yes, you're very welcome. Um, uh, it's quite exciting times at the moment because uh, this week we're starting to produce the uh, the new London Iron Bike. And you've shown me the pictures and it's, it looks relatively similar. You'd have to be a, a, an eagle-eyed person to spot the difference, but there are some key, key differences. Yes, there are so some, some big differences. It's completely different from the ground up uh, and it's completely different to um, much that we've produced in the past here. Um, so it's quite a challenge for us. Okay, let's go see what we've got. <coughs> right, um, right here you can see most of most of Pashley. As you can see, it's uh, it's not a huge place here. On the right, as we're looking at it, you can see our, uh, our what was our goods inwards. Um, in front of us here is our assembly hall, and on the left here you can see our fabrication hall. Um, through that door there is, is our area where we do all our cutting, drilling, lathing, um, mitering, uh, and receive uh, metal in. Um, and then we hop through to there, and we fabricate in that area, and it comes back into this area, into our paint plant in the corner, and this is our assembly. So how much space do you have here? Because you've got the building next door as well, so... Totally, this is about 16,000 square feet um, uh, covered space. Next door is uh, another 17,000 square feet um, in the building that we've acquired. So this is, this is the original part of Ashley. Original uh, as in 1926 original or is...? No, the move, the 1926 was, uh, was in Birmingham and the, there was a move uh, during the 60s out of Birmingham uh, to, to Stratford, right. so, but we've been here uh, at least uh, 30 years. So, and how uh, many people have you got here? In total, uh, in Hashley, um, for this build, this building and next door, so just on this site, we have uh, 46 people. Um, it's due to increase a little bit with people that we're going to in, uh, be bringing in for um, the assembly of, of this bike. Uh, but we have another site, of course, because as a business, um, Ashley Holdings operate um, uh, another company in Bradford and Avon called Moulton. So that's a much smaller business, um, and um, we uh, 
we, we're not, we run completely separately, but we do cooperate in terms of some manufacturing. So let me take you through to um, the uh, fabrication and assembly area. And how much of a difference is this new project going to make to number of people, to what you're going to be doing here every day? <coughs> um, well, it largely depends on how um, our customer wants to um, make the fleet change. We're not really sure how it's going to work, but we know that initially we have a number of bikes that we have to deliver um, to the fleet. Um, at some point in the future, um, there will be some bulk replacements, but we're not quite sure when that's going to happen. So until that happens, we'll be operating on a relatively low level, simply replacing those bikes that are coming out of service due to vandalism or old age or so forth. So we have quite a tapered situation. So people aren't going to see an overnight transformation of the streets of London with brand new bikes. It's going to be, oh, there's, a, there's one of those new ones and it'll be rare. Um, initially, the quantities are relatively small, yes. What we're hoping is, of course, that consumers um, use our product and like it and start to um, pick up a little bit of a fuss and try and um, get more bikes into the fleet because clearly there are some issues with the current bike um, which some people find a little irritating that, that doesn't ride very well for example um, and it's a bit too bulky. Uh, our product we think is a much better ride and we'll let you have a go on a, on a, a version of it later on and you can, you can give us your opinion on it. Um, but it's, it's uh, going to be, we think, customer driven, um, the demand for the product, which we, we, we hope will be um, a success. I'm going to enjoy putting my bag in it, because this is the bag I normally take to London. Yep. And it just looks from the drawings that it's a slightly bigger front basket. So slightly. You can get it, it's also lower. Um, mm. So the centre of gravity is a little bit lower. So it should feel a bit more planted. Mm. It should also feel a little bit more. Um, tighter and, and, and really you can only describe that to somebody who knows how, what a bike feels like when you ride it. Um, you, the, the current bike is, has great big squashy tyres and feels a little wallowy. Our, our product is, uses smaller wheels and rides a lot better. So 24 inch wheels instead of 26? Much more responsive, yes. Better acceleration and because of the, the way we've configured the front end of the bike it steers a lot better and it, it feels more responsive too. Did you look at solid tyres or was we it did. always going to be yeah. air tyres? No, we've looked at solid tyres. Solid tyres are potentially still an option. Um, the only problem with solid tyres is that it, it really does cause a problem with the ride. It really does make the bike feel dead. So whilst there are tremendous potentials for um, reducing punctures and maintenance, we feel that at this point there isn't a product out there um, that is capable of, of making the light feel fun. Do you know how many punches they're repairing? Is it like a big thing for them or is punches actually quite rare on the current bike? Oh, it's a big thing. Um, I, I, I can't really divulge how many there are, but it's a big issue. Um, and one of the, the, the challenges for Serco, who, who are our first, first line customer, is to get those punctures repaired um, because they have to take them back to their depots and they have to repair them there uh, and they have to also keep the number of bikes in service um, up to a prescribed level. 
So the, the, the better that, uh, that the bike can be in terms of its um, durability and rideability, the better for them, um, because it's a lot of cost in moving bikes around. So what's slime? Um, we've gone for a different approach. We've, we've gone for uh, Aramid, uh, an Aramid belt, um, which the current bike doesn't have. Uh, Aramid is the generic term for Kevlar. Um, and we've also gone for a, a puncture-proof layer. So this tyre that we've developed with our tyre supplier is unique in that it's got both puncture protection and an Aramid belt, um, which we believe is going to reduce the number of punctures that they're going to have. We, we noticed that most of the punctures that were happening were actually because of the rather... Uh, poor fit between the tyre and the rim. Um, and, uh, for whatever reason, the design um, of the current bike means that the tyre is quite bulbous and the rim is quite narrow. And so puncture, um, so snake bike punctures, um, pinches are quite, are quite common, particularly um, because um, the tyres are not always kept fully inflated. Uh, and so what happens is that the rim pinches the tyre between the road and the and the, the curb maybe and that's where that's where some of the, the problems happen our tire is much <laughs> is much um, a much better fit is slightly narrower uh, isn't quite as bulbous and we have a much wider rim so we're expecting that to improve things quite significantly and we are in a working factory here, <laughs> we so are the noise so this, this bit here is is our um, cutting and milling and um, machining area where uh, we use, we've got milling machines to do what traditionally the industry calls cog mouthing, um, which is the mitering for the tubes to fit uh, the other tubes. So what we do here is, um, particularly where we buy tubes from Reynolds, for example, um, these, these come in in tube sets, um, so we, we end up taking those and making those into sets that we can make up into bikes. Um, so that on the assembly side, on the factory side, we don't have to bother about how the fit fit is. We make the fit perfect before it goes out. So what I'm seeing here uh, in the tubes, are little boxes with you know famous traditional bikes yep. from Pashley. So the governor yep. is on there. This you can see is uh, one of our newer additions, Pathfinder. This is a double-butted tube, so it's much lighter than uh, maybe the tube for the governor. Uh, because we use uh, a, a, the higher grade of uh, Reynolds tubing for this. But the Pathfinder is the bike based on a traditional design, just a lighter roadster. Yes, it is. It's, it's a it's a much it's a much lighter product, and it's it's a product which um, really is a, an ideal commuting product. Mm. So are the white tyres? No, the Pathfinder is uh, it's got disc brakes uh, and, a, and a rear uh, eight-speed. Is the Governor with the white tyres? Uh, Governor's got white tyres. Right, there you go. Yes. <clears throat> so the, the, this is where basically that you're making your traditional product, yes. which you're still doing. Yeah. Let me show you this. So the, the bike um, isn't being made here, the, the, the new London bike. No, no, no. Um, unfortunately, or rather... Or yet. Or fortunately yet. The, you can see here, this, this looks... Um, this frame... Um, I think most people might identify this as, as a bicycle frame, in that it's got a bottom bracket. Um, although this frame is actually the uh, front section of what we call a deli bike. Uh, people might call this a butcher's bike. Um, and you can see it's quite a robust thing. Um, it's, uh, it's also, as you can see here, got 
got these pins in it and this is the very traditional way of putting together a frame. What we do is we cut the tubes as, we, as you can see and we fit them together, we flux them up, that's what this pin um, material is, um, and we, we pin them together to make sure that they're held together before we put them to our brazing area or our welding area. Um, so the activity here is effectively in the uh, in the traditional sense is called knocking up and you put together a frame or rather a triangle and you pin it to make sure that it stays uh, in that configuration before the brazer or the welder gets hold of it. Okay. Morning Chris. Thank you. Cheers. <coughs> we'll jump across the fabrication. So now we're seeing stuff when it says TFL so that is your new project. It is, this area here, where you can see a lot of hands uh, <laughs> moving over a lot of little, little products, um, is where we're starting. So I'll, take, I'll bring you back here shortly. <clears throat> so in this section here, you can see um, knocked up frames, uh, the front section of a lady's bike frame, mm -hmm. uh, with the rear stays in, this is a princess. Yeah. You can see this is a stack of them. Um, this is a stack of uh, 30. Uh, frames that have been uh, re made ready for the brazers to get to work on. So these aren't pinned? These are pinned, yes. These are course. pinned also? Yeah, you can see so here. All the, everything's pinned? Everything's pinned. We don't pin the front because no. we, we don't need to because those hold together. Right. But we do pin this, we pin this here. You can see. So that's belts and braces. That's really absolutely... Is. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Going one step more than you need to do because obviously brazing is going to keep it together. Yeah. And of course this, these pins will disappear. Uh, once we get mm -hmm. further down the process. They'll but, be chamfered down. But we, we, we hold them together with, uh, with little pins to make sure they don't move. Shortly, we'll, we'll, the, the brazier will actually lock this into a jig to make sure that it's in the, exactly the right um, geometry. Mm -hmm. But um, what we now do is we move these around all on things with wheels on. All of our jigs uh, that we move around are all on wheels, as you can see, so we can rapidly move them in and out of uh, of the areas where the brazers are working. <clears throat> so in this area you can see two of our lads um, brazing up a princess and oh that's a roadster mm -hmm. uh, frame and these are the ones that they've already produced waiting to go onto a a trolley. And how many are you making a year, Stephen? Over the, the course, traditional bike? Of the traditional bike, mm. in total, it's about 5,000, 5 or 6,000. Our total output's around 10,000. It, it, it largely depends on the mix because we can produce traditional bikes quite quickly, but some of the more speciality products that we're making, um, obviously that slow, tends to slow us down. And things like Molten mm. um, slows us down as well. You can see here that we make the TSR here. Um, for for Moulton and currently these chaps are, are on holiday this week so that this this uh, section's closed this week but all of this um, will then be developed um, painted and we'll assemble them around the other side <clears throat> we move things through the business now on transit trolleys so that we know exactly what we've got and where, where it's coming from everything's controlled uh, with uh, a barcoded build sheet and effectively this area is a cell in itself 
in that what it's supposed to do is to fill up our buffer stock, which is sitting at the end. In, in previous years, we would effectively progress an order right from the cutting of the tube. What we now do is we now plan from that point um, through into our assembly area. So for example, um, if you can see here, we've got a couple of Christmas trees, uh, that we call them. This carries 12 um, of these uh, tricycle frames. Uh, and we've also got two over there in our buffer stock. So we're, we're absolutely ready. Um, if, uh, if we need to, we've got um, 48 of these frames ready to go to, to, to go against any orders that we need to. And what we do is we keep those two filled up and these two we fill up periodically so we swap them over. And we do that effectively with most of the other frames as well. So at the end here, we've got a good selection of all of our main running lines, all in the right sizes, so that when we need them, we can plan them through. And we plan them through in batches of 10, so everything comes through um, and we don't have any leftovers. Traditionally, when I've come to bike factories before, the workforce has been of a certain age, uh -huh. let's say 45 years plus. What yep. I'm noticing here is you've got some young guys here. We have. We, are, we haven't got, you know, an, an aged workforce. Uh, do you know Jeff? Yeah. Hi there. Hi. Hi. We have got some young guys. Jeff isn't so young nowadays, but... Uh, well, I wasn't was going to be totally rude now. Well, I'm talking about the youth. Yeah. Now, there's quite a few young people here, but Jeff obviously isn't so young. <laughs> Stephen's definitely not so young. I'm no, not so young. No, no, no. Let's, let's, let's not be uh, yeah. beat around the bush here. Yeah. But there are some young welders here. Yeah. There's, some, yeah. there's yeah. some young people. So are they, were they deliberately taken on as yeah, new blood for the future and, and, and like an apprenticeship scheme? What kind of people are you well, taking on? It's a bit of a mixture of, of all different... Um, things that you've just suggested. So for example, um, Phil on this side, thank you, Phil on this side, um, is actually started off with us in assembly. Um, and we, we find it difficult to recruit um, brazers because it's a skill that really isn't used anymore. Um, it sort of died off with plumbers um, because they used to braze brass and copper together. It doesn't happen anymore. They're using plastic fittings mostly. So finding good brazers is actually really quite difficult. Um, finding welders is usually okay, but um, so what we're trying to do now is, is breed our own. Um, so all of these three guys here have actually come through um, from our assembly site. So you've taught them yourself? Them. We you teach them ourselves, right. yeah, we've got our own, our own little program. They start off doing some of the most basic tasks and then we move, and move, move them on and hopefully they'll stay with us. Um, some of the more uh, a vigorous welding we have. Uh, we have to have specialist qualified welders of course, which isn't something we can teach here, but people can progress onto that. So yes, we have got a good mixture of, of youth and experience, uh, which is which is always very useful for us. So what tubes have you got here from Reynolds then? You haven't got anything as high as 953, 753, it's all lower uh, it, numbers. It, it's all, uh, I think the highest that some 753 stainless that we put onto the rear stays of our new road finder um, and those we're not producing that at the moment because we've produced uh, a large batch of those um, but we we regularly produce 753 and the 6000 series as well so um, yeah most of our traditional products use standard grade mild steel um, 
but well, not but even 531 or not not all of the, the, the tubes are 531 but we we use some 531 in the frame but it's not it's not a full 531 frame not in not in the, the standard standard frames right it's not it's not required let me show you these so for example I'll show you this is a, a good example of the variety of stuff that we produce um, we've got a buffer stock of, of this now, most people wouldn't regard that as, as a starting point of a bicycle. It looks a bit more like something you'd hold your house up with. Yeah. Um, this is uh, the main carcass of a Lodestar. Uh, and a Lodestar is a tricycle which can carry 200 kilos in the back. Um, we sell a lot of these to um, industrial applications. So, for example, uh, one of our big customers is BP. And they buy them for their oil refineries. Um, and the reason for that is you can't use an electric vehicle in an oil refinery and you can't use a petrol-driven vehicle. So you have to use a vehicle if you're going to move things around, uh, a pedal-operated uh, vehicle. So uh, we sell, we've sold these to Uzbekistan, to um, a lot of the oil fields that BP operate. They use them for carrying around, maintenance guys used to carry around their tools, they move barrels around, the odd barrels. Um, and so we keep a minimum batch of 10 here waiting for uh, odd order. orders, yeah. right. um, ready, ready to go. Um, some of the orders from BP are a little larger than that, but at least we've got some to start us off with. So hopefully, in having having buffer stock, hey Chris, um, we have sufficient stock to respond to customers' orders quite quickly. Certainly, a lot quicker than we used to be able to um, to, to operate on, because we don't have to wait for the frames to be produced. Um, we've actually got the frames waiting and ready. Um, I won't take you into here. This is our shop blast area. It's noisy so you won't hear me and I'll have to uh, kit you up with all of this equipment but it's a standard shop glass cabinet we've got two cabinets a smaller one and a larger one and we use that for preparing the frames for for painting and hopefully what happens is when the um, frames have been shop blasted after shop blast we we don't touch them we put them on these green frames and the only people that touch them are the painters who are regularly cleaning their hands because just walking around a factory you can get pick up grime grease and so forth and then when you touch the frame, that can leave a shadow. And you end up, particularly if it's a, a lighter color, you end up with, with something visible on there that's, that you've been touched. So this is now a surface that's ready to take paint. Um, in our case, we use polyester powder, which gives us a nice, hard, um, flexible surface. We have a polyester powder coat, and then we put a lacquer coat on the top for, for added, added toughness. So if we go over there, I'll show you. So what we do here, as you can see, we're, we're batching these up into colours. So we have a colour plan. So these are all going to be painted mint here. Uh, this, is, this is where um, he's going to change his colour and swap over to burgundy. And then he'll be on dust blue and pink later on in the day. So the other factories I've been around, it's, it's pretty generic. They're, they're roughly the same shape tubes and there's just millions of them coming through. Every single trolley with, <laughs> with compass all has had a different shape. They're all completely different, different yeah. shapes. So you're making a lot of different things here. That's that's the feature of Pashley. We it, it's both our our manufacturing curse uh, and and our our uh, commercial benefit because we've got such a wide variety of products. When 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 what, when demand on one goes down, the demand on one can go up. So we have a, a, a good platform on which to work from. Um, I sometimes wish we had a little less in terms of an XKUs because it would help us in terms of cash, in terms of stock and so forth, but this is what we are. We are a, a very wide, wide-ranged uh, company. 
unlike some others who maybe only have one product to paint. Um, so and this would have been the place where the mail starts, the, the Royal Absolutely. Mail bikes are made, which they is a huge printed. part of your business. Yes. Um, at, at some points uh, in the 90s, we were producing um, up to eight or 9,000 a year um, of, of those products, all for the Royal Mail. Uh, and Royal Mail operated in, the, in its peak uh, a fleet of 35,000 mail stars. Um, and in 2008, 2009, they made the decision that um, they would uh, go away from, um, from bicycles as a means of uh, transporting their postman and, and move to trolleys. Um, and I'll show you something shortly, which is a little ironic, but uh, it's, uh, it's quite interesting. That, You're making uh, fun of a career company. Uh, no, no. I but but we, we can, we, we're actually um, able then to change the business and move it away from uh, all of the Royal Mail products uh, to start making more of the, of the traditional range. And at that time, Ashley started to focus on um, the TV series, uh, which was a very successful product for, for some time, and also all of the classics and uh, roaster ladies' products, which has which uh, done the company very, very well all the way, all the way since that time. So that one, Nick Larson. Was. So TV series was the Nick Larson product, and yeah. of course people know Nick Larson as the person who then went on to create Charge yeah. and the other brands that have come up from there, like yeah. Fabric yeah. and stuff, is a Nick Larson. So Nick Larson actually did his, uh, wasn't he, like he came straight from college to, to, he did. to pass he was to a designer, TV yeah. series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually has had a lot of talent over the years, it really, it really has. So what you can see here is... Um, Actually, Pete, uh, he's painting one of the, uh, the the new London bike frames over there. Oh, so they um, come into you, but they're, they're not painted when they come to you. We have we have choice. Uh, we, we we can because of the speed that we needed to um, get these done to start with. Uh, we've we've uh, we've got the frames coming in raw, uh, and we're painting them here. Um, again, uh, that's something that we can uh, we, a benefit that we can give to our customer because we could even do refurbish. Uh, frames as well, which they haven't been able to do um, with their current product. So, as you can see, that frame's coming on. There'll be several, several more. We'll put on a rack. It goes into this oven here. Um, this oven is uh, cycled at about 20 minutes, uh, at about 185 degrees, through to the other side. And you can see the other painter uh, in that cabinet there. He will then put the lacquer coat on, and it'll come through. In between that point and that point. Uh, we need to put some decals on, so we've got a little decal room out the back where we where we do that. So we um, we can offer the flexibility of, uh, of of getting frames through very quickly. Um, it, and and the, the startling fact is, if we wanted to make one bike um, and paint it uh, from start to finish, it would probably take us about four hours. Um, unfortunately, our lead time isn't four hours because of, lots, because of the variety we've got. Um, but um, we have a, a lot of flexibility and variety. So once painted, um, the, the frames are inspected by Derek, and Derek will then start to determine whether or not um, this has been made for our stock or made for a particular customer. And Derek starts the process off. Uh, he then puts the bottom brackets in and puts the headsets in and as you can see here uh, here are some frames that uh, Derek has had 
and he's now started to tank them up with, with real orders. And we now know that this bike is destined for this particular customer and needs to be built with this particular specification. And from that point, it moves into our build area. We've got um, four stand build areas, four stands here, two stands here and another one at the top end. The top end one is usually for the larger items, like our ice cream trikes we build, which occupy a lot of space. Mm -hmm. This middle section here is usually for our molten products, but everybody's trained in most of the products, so we can be quite flexible. And, and right now, as you can see, we've actually deployed uh, a lot of our builders into the, uh, the other area, which is going to be the area where we're going to be producing our uh, new London Prospect bike. Oh, that's um, the name? The, the name all the way through its developers has been Prospect. Um, that was what we started with. It was, it was simply a, a, a code name. Um, I don't actually know what the name of it is going to be uh, in service. Uh, clearly the media are going to call it something. Um, um, I think the mayor would like to put his own name on it somehow. But uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, really for, for t t our customers to decide. Cycles. That's the obvious choice, mm. I think. Uh, it sounds fine. I, I, I do think, though, that he's got quite a hard job to uh, overcome yeah. some of the residual stuff. Bor Boris bike does sound good. Yeah. So here you see what we've got here. Uh, we've got uh, racks of frames that could either be painted here or brought in um, as completely finished. In this particular case, we've painted them here. We've fitted the bottom bracket. We've fitted the under lacquer decal. And of course, each decal needs to be completely different. So uh, they're all numbered separately. All the frames have got their own, their own number on as well. So we have to tie, our job is to tie that up with that, along with the fork, which is also numbered. So we've got a, we've got a lot of um, sequential series recording that we've got to do here. Um, we then start the, uh, the decaling process. And we've, uh, we've just completed most of the sub-assemblies that we need to do. Um, and then we'll uh, start producing the finished bikes probably later today. And we've got an objective to get a big chunk of them ready for the 4th, uh, which uh, is uh, of August. Of August. Okay. And what we're looking at here is, uh, it's a painted frame, but it hasn't got any fork on yet, it hasn't got any wheels on, so it's pretty much a naked frame. But we can see the, the space, the, the void. in, the, in yep. the void, in the, in the very, very bulky headstock there. So these are for the cables to go through. Yeah, we have um, part of our design that we've developed avoids the need for a, um, a triple clamp or triple crown fork, uh, which is sometimes called. And we, we protect the cables um, by using a, a void inside the head tube, which allows us to um, keep control of everything it allows us to make sure that um, there's no way that uh, the prop, the butt can be interfered with, um, and it reduces the potential for for vandalism. And it's a design that we're in. Uh, we're actually going through patent process uh, at the moment. And then who'll own that patent? Uh, we will. Is that complex? Yes. If, if, for instance, for the contract changed hands. You've suddenly got a patent. Somebody have to come up with a different headstock, or you think that ties you in a bit more? Um, it gives us a, a deal of security, uh, certainly. Yes, but it's it's 
as it's our patent, we, 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 we're, we're quite happy to um, um, give use of it uh, while we're producing the bike. It's, it's no problem at all. Sorry, sorry, Luke. So, um, from this from this point, um, we uh, need to start thinking about um, the lighting system that we're uh, putting in this bike, uh, which uh, we've worked with Smidzy, who have been using, have been putting the laser system into the current bike. We've incorporated that laser system uh, with Smidzy into a new lighting system, um, which is a very clever uh, system which will enable the lights to operate and the laser to operate incorporated into a new lighting system underneath the fork crown so it's protected. Um, and also the rear light is on the mudguard rather than being on the frame. Again, it is so much more visible than the current lights uh, on the current bike. It's, uh, it's much, much more intense. So the, when you're talking about the Smidzy light, the laser, this is the, the Emily. The, the, the bicycle that's projected onto the yes. as you're going along yes. to, to, yes. to make three, it look as an three, icon, uh, green absolutely. icon going ahead of you. Yes, yes. Which uh, is bla uh, originally Blaze. Smithy is Blaze. Yes. Blaze. Blaze is the brand name. Yes. Uh, of, but that's where of, it came from. It came from Blaze. Yes. Emily developed that. Yes. And now it's so you, you're basically keeping that feature on the new bike. Oh yes, yes. So it's, the, it's, uh, an improved version of it. Um, it it's the, it's. Uh, it's the same laser system, uh, as I understand it, um, but um, yeah, we've incorporated that into into our bicycle, um, and I think it's going to um, transform the way that the whole bicycle uh, is is regarded because it is a, a very different look. We have got coming up, as I'm sure you've seen on Bike Beers, in fact, the dockless bike share revolution coming with uh, O bike, Opa bike, Mo bike all sorts of different Chinese companies coming in and offering bikes that don't have these bulky docks. Do you see that as something that's complementary to the bikes you're making here or a big threat for the future? I think it's both. Um, I, I think it, it's too early to tell how um, these bikes are going to be used, um, regarded, maintained, operated um, in, uh, in the UK. We've seen what ha what's happened in uh, the Far East, where huge systems have been uh, uh, developed and put out and indeed bulldozed into some piles in some places. Um, I, I don't think uh, yet uh, a policy has been developed to uh, decide how the UK is going to handle that, um, but inevitably there will be some restrictions on where these bikes can be left, where they can go. Um, and the, a, a dock system is something that has taken some time to be incorporated into the lifestyle of people in London. They know where to, they know where they can get them. They're reliable. Um, so it's going to be interesting how the uh, potential for doctor's bikes is used uh, in the future. Uh, I, I think I think we're all very interested to see how that works. But there's some quite serious bit of real estate already on the streets of London. Oh yes. Of the docks, absolutely. There, there are uh, a huge quantity of, of docks, and indeed, I understand that there, there are plans to in, uh, increase the number. Uh, I think I think it's already been announced that Brixton is going to get uh, uh, several of them uh, as well. So the, the plans for TF, the TFL have um, to take the docks further uh, is 
is, is well is well known, and I think they would they would love to um, increase the footprint uh, and availability of these bikes um, as as things develop. What you're seeing here is you can see Sam uh, is putting the handlebar uh, into the jig, which allows allows him to per position that clamp um, exactly in the position where he needs to do it. Um, you can see that the stem that um, block at the bottom there is actually the stem of the bike uh, and that fits onto the, uh, the fork um, steerer and it's, it's very important that the handlebar is in exactly the right position in the centre because uh, again one of the features of this bike is that we have to um, put a plastic uh, cover on the handlebars and it's important that that's in exactly the right place. So you don't need any protection on the Allen key bolts there because there's a plastic cover over, you don't see this. No, in that, in that case those bolts are not actually security bolts, mm. but uh, most of the bolts that are on the bike are actually security bolts, meaning um, tools, aren't, tool. tools aren't available yeah. generally to, to be able to undo them. So that's a Japanese company, Shimano, there on the levers. Yeah, I'm presuming that that's a German um, handlebar grip. Uh, no, Finnish. Finnish. That's yep. Finnish. Okay. Uh, what else have we got on the the, the bike? That's where, where the, where's this bike coming from in, around the world? Um, we've tried very hard to uh, get as much of this bike made locally, or if not locally in Europe. Um, but it's very difficult because um, the bicycle industry is now firmly based in the Far East um, and, and where we can we've used our existing suppliers so for example that as you as you rightly say that, that handlebar uh, is uh, is coming from one of our existing suppliers um, the, the um, interesting interesting thing about um, bicycle components is whilst some are available in Europe they're not, not always the right type of component that we can use for this particular bike um, which is a very unique product um, so we're almost forced into getting them from where we can. So tyres, for example, there's no European supplier of, of tyres. We don't have rubber trees uh, in this hemisphere, so we're having to source those. And we had to develop a special tyre with a, 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 a supplier who would make us a tyre to put more puncture protection into it. Um, and that's a unique tyre for this particular product. And they're coming from Thailand? And they're coming so from Thailand. So they're, they're coming from, obviously from a long way away, yep. and it's a long lead time as well. Yes, it is, yes. And you've had a very short time to get this together. So yes. the, the, kind of the day out the just-in-time uh, philosophy is challenging? Um, just-in-time is, uh, is almost, uh, uh, with this project, inevitable. Uh, we haven't had the luxury of having things here early, um, so uh, there are some components that even though we've started manufacturing, as you can see, we are still waiting for certain components. And one of them is actually the mudguards that the local uh, manufacturer based in the UK is producing. Because of the development time that we've had for these, um, they're, they're very large tools that we've had to produce for them. Um, and that's, that's taken uh, a long time to develop, to make sure they work to integrate them into the total design and they're actually moulding this week. I was there yesterday um, so we're expecting to get them um, Thursday or Friday, uh, Friday at the earliest. Fortunately um, they're one of the last things that you fit to a bicycle in, in this particular design so we can actually start manufacturing and as you can see here we're doing we're starting the sub-assembly already 
uh, and very shortly, once we've done all the, all the sub-assemblies for the first quantity, we'll end up then starting to put the frames together. And you can see here all of the frames that we've already painted and put numbers on right. uh, are, waiting, uh, are waiting first production. Brexit, is that going to have any additional challenges for you in, in currency fluctuations, in sourcing of parts post-Brexit? Well, it's already having some effect, to be honest. Um, some of the European parts are a little more expensive than we uh, initially expected. Um, the change in the dollar price uh, has, uh, has impacted, impacted us quite severely as well. So, <coughs> in our industry, um, we've seen um, bike prices uh, over the course of the year changing by a factor of, well, anywhere between 10 and 25% in some cases. Um, yes, it has an effect, uh, but uh, we're well used to it. We, uh, we like to try and um, hedge and predict things a little bit f further in advance. We've got great relationships with our suppliers. Um, so um, we try and minimise the effect. The effect of Brexit is another, is another issue, and that's quite unpredictable right now. Uh, we've got customers in Europe, uh, and right now their prices from us are significantly lower than they were uh, a year ago. Um, and, they're, and they're clearly taking advantage of that. So demand for us out of, out of Europe is, is quite, quite good right now, uh, as it is out of the USA. Um, so it has benefits, it also has problems. Um, and we, 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 our skill is trying to stay uh, at middle line and keep dealing with them and understand exactly what the impacts are likely to be going forward. So, um, because this product is different to how you've normally, I mean, you've been it's doing in bikes, that but you've got to bring lots of stuff in here. There's a bit more, there's a bit more Far East content in this bike than there, there was, there would be in our normal bike, in that the, the frame in this particular case is, uh, is sourced out of the Far East. We do have plans to find ways to reshore more uh, of this uh, bike as, uh, as we can, if possible. As, as much as we can uh, and as quickly as we can but the um, because the project came at us very quickly it would have been impossible to develop suppliers develop product and source from them in the relatively short time that we've had um, because from the middle of last year when we became aware that we had a potential of a contract um, we've had to completely develop and source all of the products and integrate them from a design point of view which is really quite tricky uh, and we have a looming impending delivery date which uh, we're now working towards so it was we had to do it in the best quickest way possible to start with we would love to find somebody in the UK who's capable of making um, aluminium bike frames we would indeed um, consider uh, investment in Pashley um, to do it ourselves uh, so you couldn't make them right now because it's an alloy frame, but you could build a have, new line. We have and actually then got start doing we them. have actually got welders who are capable of uh, of making them right now. Mm -hmm. um, what we don't have here are the uh, tempering facilities, the T forty six tempering facilities. Um, but again, the quantity, the quantum of this to start with is a lot bigger than maybe we would have been capable of to start with. So we took the decision 
we're going to have to go with the best and most reliable source we can find, even though the lead time is likely to be quite quite long. Um, the development time was quite short um, because they had already got the expertise for hydroforming. They already understand um, what alloy frames are capable of in terms of stresses. They have in-house facilities for frame testing, um, and so. And that's very, very important because it would have been dreadful to get to the end point and then find that the, the frame that we've actually developed isn't capable of passing all the tests that we need to pass, which it has, of course, right now. It's passed all of the ISO tests that, that are necessary for the business. So yes, that's been quite challenging. And the tendering process didn't actually say, we're going to go for a, a, a British company because this is a, a, a British bike. This is That wasn't part of the the point scoring system that you had to go through? Now, I, I, I'd like to think that somewhere, somehow, somebody did think about it, but in the process of the tender, there was no section that allowed us to score any points because we were established in 1926, have been making bicycles in Britain for uh, many, many years. Uh, I think um, the most important thing that we were able to do was to demonstrate capability um, and that conversely convinced um, our customer that we could do it and then we generated designs that we, th we found that they thought were much more appropriate um, to the product, the, to, to the application that they had and so we think that the, the ability for us to work with them rather than presenting them with a fait accompli was a benefit um, because it allowed us to have a product which actually has been designed for London um, because it's, uh, it's a product which works perfectly in the application that, uh, that, uh, that it's got now. What have you learnt from, from making this bike that you can use going forward in the Pashley business as a whole? Or have you not even thought that far ahead because you're, you're flat out? Well, um, <laughs> the the, the, bicycle, the product that we've produced um, in um, the public bike hire market, we believe, uh, and actually we've been told by a third party, is probably the best public bike hire bike um, that exists currently. Um, we've had lots of compliments from our suppliers who have been involved in other projects. And so we think that there, we, with this product we have an in, an enormous opportunity in a market that is growing quite quickly um, and at the moment that people realize that cars aren't a long-term solution which you know, really has come home to roost in the last few days where you know, the press is full of um, motor vehicles uh, as we currently know them being banned from 2040 uh, really makes people think about what well what are the solutions for transport within cities uh, and, and right now bicycles fit the bill perfectly um, and a reliable public hire bicycle is something that is that a lot of people have been looking for because there have been a number of schemes that have been started and tried only to find that actually they don't really work that well because they're not as reliable as maybe have been advertised and perhaps the maintenance on them is a little bit more expensive than perhaps they thought originally and they find that they have to keep replacing them. So the product that we've developed it fits in that area we think better than 
any other product that we've seen so far. So it rides better and it's better for Serco, for the, the supplier, because they don't have to send maintenance fleets, change them around so much. Yeah, it, it's um, the, the, the cost of maintaining a hire bike, the total life cost, is a very important thing in the success of the scheme. Um, that is something that um, Serco and TFL are very focused, focused on. They understand that they've got to keep um, a huge proportion of these bikes um, at the dock available when, when they're needed. Otherwise, customers get very, very frustrated. Uh, and so they continually have to maintain them. And anything that we can do to reduce that frequency or cost of maintenance uh, improves both Serco and TFL's life uh, and the, the overall cost of the bike. Let me take you um, through into next door. Uh, whilst what you've seen here is effectively Pashley, we're on a tea break now, by the way, um, hence the Mari Celeste version. This is next door, which we're not completely integrated with. <laughs> As you can see, we've taken the barbed wire down, but basically it's, uh, we've still got a few posts here. We've opened up a few doors, but... Um, and it's still got the old name on the front of the factory. It, so. it, it, well, the, the, the front, front part of it has. Um, um, this, is, this, this is our uh, finished goods area. We don't keep a huge amount of stock. We try to keep our stock limited to around 400, 500 bikes, which is um, roughly half a month's stock, two or three weeks, because we can, we can fabricate as and when we want. And we keep all of our flexibility in parts rather than in finished stock. And how important are bike shops to your business? Oh, they're very important. Uh, yeah, very important. Um, in the UK, we trade through bike shops. Um, that's that's where we where we no, where we trade. No, no direct. Um, we have we've got our own uh, shop, uh, albeit we it wasn't something we planned. Um, the traditional bike shop in Stratford was going to be closed, and uh, we thought we couldn't let that happen, so we took it over. Um, so we're a retailer as well. And it's been very useful to actually find how that works. Um, so we've now got um, a leg in to, to retail. Um, it's not something that we see as being our, um, our future necessarily, but it's something that's helping us understand the problems of retailers and what we can do to, to help them. This section here, we've cleared out specifically for uh, London bike stock. What you see here is the minimum order quantity for tires. Uh, which clearly is, 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 is quite a chunk. And what we do for, um, for Serco is we label everything up specifically um, for, uh, for identification. We give them their own part number, we give them a little picture. We tell them when we bought it into stock. Um, and we've got full traceability on all, all, of this, all of this stuff now, which is something, when you said, what have we learned? Actually, this is something that is something that we're doing that we're going to apply to the whole of our business. We see a, ma a big advantage in being able to scan everything that stock takes, which is currently a little laborious to say the, to say the least, to label everything properly um, when it comes in, forcing us to system systematize everything. Sometimes 
we 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 might as a as a small business bring it in we'll we'll set it up on the system later and you know things can can be lost track of so there's a great deal of discipline in doing this which is something that we're we're doing going forward which is quite useful so this section here um was was quite full up but as we've been starting to do the batches we'll we'll be uh, we're emptying it and filling it as we could as we can and of course we've got lots of stuff coming in and out all the time in this business uh we suffer from the benefit sometimes of seeing our, our local suppliers and thinking, oh, we don't need to keep a great deal of stock for local suppliers because they're so flexible. When in reality, it's generally local suppliers that most let us down mostly. Because when we're buying from the Far East, we automatically build in some buffer. When we're buying from the local suppliers, we tend not to. So we're always sitting waiting for something from a local supplier. So in here, you can see all the Shimano and Far Eastern stuff that we buy in that we, we, we're keeping buffer stock of. And uh, Firebrands, so made in the UK. Oh, and of course Firebrands, yes, all of our, all of our, our cables for all of our standard bikes uh, come from Firebrands. Um, Brooks clearly is, a, is one of our suppliers, although difficult to call them local now. Uh, the, uh, I'd like to call Reynolds local, they are. Um, they do do some finishing um, in, in their operation, but we do try and keep in our product range as much traditional uh, brand names as we as we possibly can and Stomy Archer for example um, Stomy Archer is a is a product that features very heavily on our range and of course um, we have a long history with Stomy Archer uh, albeit not very much of it is made in Europe now it all comes from the Far East but they do hold stock for us um, in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in the Netherlands so yes uh, it's, it's, um, it is always an interesting business to, to work in, the bicycle industry, because it is, everybody keeps saying it's a, it's a village industry, but it's a world industry. And that in itself has its own challenges. But lots of people know each other. Uh, everybody knows where to get things. Uh, it's very simple to go out and buy a bike if you want to, but it's actually very difficult to make one. Uh, and um, keeping everything in the right proportion in the right stock the right availability is always very difficult so for example here you can see our um, our chain guards these are made for us uh, in the UK with our tool um, these are made uh, over in Telford by Spencer's uh, who used to make mug guards for the whole of the cycle industry and are now down to a few pressings for us and a few mug guards for us um, uh, and, and they've had to transform their business into, into other areas. So that's really about, that's about it with Pashley. Let's just take a look. Thanks to Stephen Bell and Pashley for that exclusive early view of the new London Bike Share Bike. And thanks to you for listening and subscribing to the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. Show notes and more can be found at the-spokesmen.com. We'll be back with a normal show in a wee while. Meanwhile, get out there and ride.